Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. In today's special episode, we are celebrating Jillian on Love's one-year anniversary. And I am just so incredibly grateful for all of you who have been so supportive of this podcast and of me. Words cannot express how grateful I am. And for this anniversary, we decided that I should speak to three listeners who submitted their experiences with the podcast and how it's helped them to make very important changes to their life and changes to their thinking. So in this episode, I speak with Jennifer, I speak with Nancy, and I speak with Casey. And they all share their story with me and they all have very different stories. And I believe that you will find commonality with at least one of these amazing people who were brave enough to share publicly their struggles and some of the changes that they, they're thinking and, cha- and actual literal changes that they made to their behavior. And this was a result of listening to the podcast. I mean, there were other things that they were working on for sure, but the podcast was a big part of that. And I just, just makes me so incredibly happy. It is my absolute pleasure and honor and privilege to be able to share this stuff with all of you and to make such an impact. So without further ado, my conversations with Jennifer, Nancy, and Casey. Here we go. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. And I I guess, tell me first where you were emotionally, maybe even literally, when you listened to, and I want to know if there was a particular episode that you listened to that was like a sort of aha moment. I want to cover that. I want to cover what has changed for you, even if it's just really subtle changes. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to know, and we'll go through this in stages, but I'm just yep. throwing it all out there. I also want to know what you had to do differently? If there was something that had to change in your thinking, if there was some literal action that you had to take, if there was like something that you felt like you had to stop doing and you stopped doing it. So I just want to hear from you. Let me know. Yeah. So I think I'll start with the last question first. Okay. So just to give you a little backstory, I was married for 
18 years, left the marriage, was out of the marriage for about two years, and at that time didn't want to date, had no interest in dating. And mm-hmm. then in the fall, I had this kind of random relationship that started, really a not a formal relationship online. And it was with a guy in California. And that kind of woke up this part of me that I thought was dormant for very long. From being with him and engaging back and forth, I decided to start dating. And when I did that, I started journaling. And at the top of my journal, my first entry was, what has to be different this time is me. So I have Mm. a history of, I consider myself pretty self-aware, and I am very much tuned into my intuition. And what has happened to me in the past is when things don't feel right, or, you know, I always see the red flags, I lead then with my ego. I keep going versus trusting myself. And it's in myself, right? It's in ourselves that we have the wisdom and it's there to guide us. And I ignore it. (laughs) And so listening to you, where for me, what you do is you empower people to be self-aware and then to take right action, right? So to make decisions that are in your best interest. So what had to change for me was listening to the wisdom and then taking action. And what I've done in the past is I get into relationships. I know that certain things aren't right. Certain things don't feel good. And I stay. And then I get into this kind of this cycle of complaining, being really unhappy, and really looking at that person to change, which I know I don't have the power to make them change. So it comes back to what can I do? Mm. What is in my control? So did that answer the question, Julia? Yeah, no, totally. So Like many of us, you see the red flags, but you ignore them, you justify them away and whatnot. Yeah. So was there someone who you were like dating that red flag started to present itself and then you just reacted to it differently? Like, tell us about what changed in that process. So, yes, I got the courage to go on the dating apps Mm -hmm. and I was I had a a mix of emotions around them. I was excited. I was really tentative. I would say mostly, though, I was really afraid because I didn't really have the confidence that if these red flags were going to show up again, was I going to be able to pay attention and then disengage? Hmm. So I went in So you were afraid to trust yourself. Yeah. You were afraid of whether or not you can trust yourself. I was afraid if I could do it, if I could trust myself. Yeah. So I ended up meeting this guy Mm -hmm. who I was so excited about. He was very smart. He had a graduate degree. He and I are in the same industry. The biggest thing is that 
he was so funny. He had the probably the best sense of humor that I've ever experienced in a guy. And when I would talk to him, I was constantly laughing. Oh, and, that's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> oh, it total drug. It felt it felt so good and you know, not having dated in 20 years, I didn't really know what to expect. So I was really enjoying him and we had this amazing banter and just this great wit about him. And so I went with it. And I will tell you that early on, I started seeing a couple of things that gave me pause. And I kept on going. Now, during this whole time, you were in my life. I follow you on Instagram. My best friend and I, we constantly share your posts. <laughs> oh, we talk you. about you. Yeah, we literally talk about you all the time. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah, no, you just have something really special. And your wisdom and your passion and your groundedness just come through and I mean, you resonate with like thousands of people, but I love you. That's very kind. I'm curious, like, was there something in particular that was really like, how was I? Yeah. So from you, I learned about situationships. Yeah. I had never heard that term before. <laughs> and obviously deal breakers, which yeah. is something that I never really considered. And I think what you underscore for me is having your own back, right? Trusting yourself to have your own back and to protect yourself. And you do that by being honest and taking action. So this guy that I was seeing... Yeah, what was the red flag? What was the thing that concerned you? Curious. He, whenever he talked about his ex-wife, a lot of anger, very mm. negative, and really never talking about his role in the failure of the marriage. And then I see. he talked, too, about another woman he had dated briefly, and he summed her up as crazy. And this is so interesting because you started by saying you had a journal, and what was the first thing that you wrote at the top of the journal? Yeah, what has to be different this time is me. Right, which I'm glad it's not, you didn't say the problem is me because the problem is not you. It's just that there's certain things that need to change. So that's such a thing, like you wrote that, that clearly describes you as having a certain value system. And I would imagine that one of your values is accountability and self-reflection and self-awareness. And here you are, you're with a guy, the wit and the banter is so sexy. I mean, it's so hot and it's so totally. fun and it creates this like very deep connection that I don't think people are that aware of. But then this thing comes up that signals a lack of awareness, it sounds like, or accountability at least. Yeah. And what started evolving over the time we spent together is I noticed, too, he wasn't really that curious about me. He wouldn't really 
ask me questions to get to know me. And I also found that when I would share information, and I think for me, you know, I was hoping to create this intimacy and this connection. So I would share things a little bit. I would overshare things. And he wouldn't really pick up the thread Mm -hmm. or he wouldn't like say I mentioned to him something that was going on in my sister's life that was pretty serious. He never asked me about it again. Mm. And so it was clear to me that he just really wasn't showing up the way I was and didn't really want to go deep. So what'd you do about it? I slept with him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, Jillian, so many things were happening. And during the relationship or situationship with him, I'm listening to your podcasts. I'm on Instagram. And all these things are coming up for me from what you are saying. And the big thing and what I've struggled with is taking the action on behalf of my well-being. So so you slept with him. <laughs> right. Like, I have a list of things that I will never do again, uh-huh. right? I did, and that created incredible attachment. Okay. So I am attached, and yes, I am looking for texts from him. I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. So I just want to paint a picture. So you're getting closer to him, you slept with him, but also during this time, you're realizing that like, there's not a lot of depth to the way that he is relating to you and that he has basically spoken poorly about his ex-wife and his recent ex calling her crazy. At what point then did you bring this all up? It was through you, you always stress to communicate, right? So at the height of my anxiety, where I literally felt like I was losing my mind, I reached out to him and I asked if we could meet and he did not respond. And so then I said to him, can we talk? Do you have time to talk? Nothing. I texted him, and I broke up with him over text, ideally. Because he was unresponsive to getting together with you. Were you actually dating him at this point? No. It lasted over a three-month span, Uh and during the three months, he had gone on vacation. I had gone on two vacations. So we got together pretty infrequently, but we were in touch via talking on the phone and texting. And he hadn't been engaging anyone else. I hadn't been engaging anyone else. But there was no formal, are we an item? It also sounds like the two of you weren't really progressing. Is that true? That's true. It stalled. And I feel like with him not making an effort to get to know me, it was just, it was losing its vitality, right? Sure, sure. So... What I did is instead of letting it continue because he would breadcrumb, I sent to him what was, I thought, a really beautiful, honest text that thanked him for his time, but really felt that, you know, we were kind of not in sync and that I wasn't going to reach out anymore. And if he 
wanted to talk to me about what was going on. I was there to listen, and he never responded. So I never heard from him again. And that sent me into this space where I really caught myself from questioning my self-worth. And I immediately went to your ghosting podcast. I think the definition maybe was a little different, but we, we had this connection and then suddenly he was gone. Yeah. And he ghosted for sure. He ghosted. And from that experience, I learned that I went too fast. You also talk about in the ghosting podcast about being in a bubble. And every time that he and I were together, it was at his place. So we were really in a bubble, and I hadn't met any of his friends and vice versa. So who I was seeing, it was very controlled in the environment that we were in. Yes. The ghosting podcast really also gave me good advice on what to do when I'm in a situation with someone who maybe I'm not really crazy about them and how to communicate that to them in a kind way. <laughs> I definitely learned that. And this guy that I was crazy about, he wasn't a bad guy. I see a lot of value in the time that we had together. I learned a lot of things about myself, about what not to do next time. But I think the biggest thing for me was... With your advice of really being clear about what you want, what you deserve, and if that's not happening, you got to do the hard thing and you got to walk away. And, you know, for me, sending that text, that's what I did. Yeah, I love that you did that. And I love that it sounded like there was no anger or pissiness or resentment. It was very, very classy and gracious. And I think it's important for listeners to understand that those are red flags and that in the future, if something comes up and you're concerned about it, you can say, Hey, I've noticed you don't seem to like ask a lot of questions about me, or you don't seem that interested in getting to know me on a deeper level. Is that your experience too? Or I've noticed that you've said a few things about your exes that sort of raise a concern for me. Have you ever thought about your role in that? Or whatever it is. I think it's just important. There's two things from your story that I think really needs to be highlighted. One is listen to your intuition, pay attention to those red flags. And then two, don't be afraid to bring it up when something is concerning you and do it before you have sex with them. <laughs> totally. I think I'm definitely aware of the fear of asking those questions, right? Yeah. The fear of the answer that you're going to get. Yes. But... That's where it's just so important to really like dig in to your power, to rely on your courage, right? Yes. To ask those hard questions because, you know, the truth will set you free. I mean, it's really cliche, but it's but so it's true. So true. 
So were you proud of yourself for sending that note and for just having the courage to just put an end to it before it took over your sanity too much? I was so proud of myself and Good. my girlfriends were also really proud of me and Good. my sister knowing my my history. So yeah, it, that that was a really that was a really big thing. I feel like it has given me just a lot of good information as I continue to date. Yes. And I think that's wonderful. Look, that kind of chemistry with like banter is so fun. And it's not that it's unimportant, but we really do need to get under the hood of the car, so to speak, to really get to know people because it's just not enough. It's just right. not enough. And right. I think that things need to be progressing. And there's no point in spending time with someone so much that they don't even seem very interested in getting to know you. So what would be a message that you would want to give to a listener today who is someone maybe who, just like you, went through a divorce or just like you was like found herself single for the first time in a really long time and navigating the dating world is what would you want to tell that person? Yeah, I would say for me, it's been so important to really root into myself. And I've never believed the whole idea where you're looking for your better half. I believe we are all whole and that the person that we invite into our lives complement us. I would say whenever you catch yourself, whenever your mind starts taking you in a direction where you feel like a person is going to complete you or they define you or they're going to make you happy, to really come back to your core self, I feel like we are perfect as we are. And it's just such a good reminder to know that we have inherent value and to trust ourselves and to just be on your own side, yeah. be your advocate. I for think sure. that's the most important thing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope that you, I really do sincerely hope that you now have a little bit more confidence going into the dating world, because I think that what happens is that when we, for the first time, are an advocate for ourselves and do stand up for ourselves and do walk away from a situation that's not progressing or doesn't feel right, that's such a big pattern break that you're kind of not going to let yourself, it's not going to happen again. Like right. you're not going to be in something again where it goes three months and you're not saying anything because you're ready. You've already explored and practiced what your potential is. And so I hope that actually doing this gives you more reassurance rather than discouragement just to get back out there. Totally. Yeah. I um, feel like I have more tools in my tool bag and I will continue to listen to you. Oh, thank you. And yeah, it's all a lesson, right? And we're all like a work in progress. So yes. And you can definitely listen to that inner voice. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. Never steers you wrong. Never. Thank you, Jen. I just appreciate your support. 
And I appreciate your kind words. And I think that your story is going to be very inspiring and helpful to others. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Daily Harvest. I like very slow mornings. And that means that I have to take time to really make sure that I am well-fed, well-hydrated, well-stretched before I start doing anything that takes a lot of my brain power. And sometimes it's really difficult. I don't know what to eat for breakfast, and I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out. And Daily Harvest keeps me full with options. It provides so many options and keeps my freezer full with options like fruit and veggies, smoothies, bowls, lattes. They also have tons of options for any time of day, like soups and harvest bowls, all really easy things and really nutritious things to eat. I particularly love the harvest bowls a lot. So with Daily Harvest, I get so many easy to prep options so I don't have to even think about what to cook for my next meal. This is really, really helpful. And I love that I can also, by the way, skip the shopping, the chopping, and the post-cooking cleanup. It just takes a lot of time. So take the stress out of your mornings with Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com slash J-O-L to get up to $65 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash J-O-L for up to $65 off your first box. dailyharvest.com slash J-O-L. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, such a pleasure to have you. You know, you submitted this sort of like three-minute video, and it just seemed like you were bursting with this sort of like, I don't know, newfound self-love. And it was just, I don't know, it was so touching. But why don't you take a moment to share with me here your story. What do you want to share today? My journey and how I got here is a long one. So I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay, Reader's Digest. <laughs> so why don't you just tell me very specifically what was it that prompted you to send something to us to say, this is something that really impacted me that I want to share? Well, I was in a 21 plus year marriage and I've been going through a seven and a half year divorce. So those wow. two things were huge. I've had a therapist help me through all of that. It was a marriage that was fraught with, you know, no communication, little love, a lot of judgment, and it ended up in infidelity. And so it just kind of really shook my world. What you see on the video that I submitted is who I generally am, but I became a different person through the process of divorce and, and grief. And I say grief because I do know now, you know, you grieve a divorce. So I just, yeah. especially in the journey through the divorce process, there was no self-care. There was no self-love. I was depressed and not doing good things for my body. All the things. I was sad, was unhappy. And I was alone, but I was also lonely. But I know the difference between the two. Hmm. And so I tried to take on care of others, thinking that would make me feel better. It does, but it just sidetracks you on doing the work. Do you have children? I have two children, and mm -hmm. they were out of the nest when this process uh, started. Got it. So, got it. That's what I mean by I was really alone, alone. with myself, yeah. mm -hmm. which in that process, I love your word ruminating because I 
am the queen of overthinking, mm-hmm. and the queen of overthinking has been taking up most of my headspace during that process. So, understandably, I was, you know, overwhelmed. I think yeah. that's a good word. So, I realized that I needed to take control. And the first thing I had to do is take control of myself physically because I was not feeding myself well. I was overweight. And so, I went on this journey of, what can I do to change this? Because I'm the only one who can change it. Was there a moment that switched your thinking to, I've got to do something? Was there like a moment where you drew the line in the sand that you can recall? I was having a conversation with my friend, my best friend, who has heard it all. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at her and I said, I just need to shut up. I said, now I feel three years into it, I'm in this pity party, and I was stuck in what I can't do. I told my friend, I said, it's the same story. Every time you ask me, nothing's changing. I started to feel like I was a burden to her because Mm -hmm. she was my number one person. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I said, stop. And I literally just stopped and started saying, stop thinking about it. Just do it. There's a saying that they say, Someday or today, which Mm -hmm. do you choose? And I finally chose today. And I really chose it because health-wise, I was a mess. Mentally, physically, all of it. And you also were not yourself, you said. So the the person inside of you that took charge and was like, okay, it's not someday, it's today. Does that feel more like who you really are? It is who I am. Yeah. It is. When you change a lifestyle, for me, I was changing the eating. When you do that and you start, like, if you're in your social media feed, you know, you're looking for, I went through macro counting, so I'm looking and you get all these people who have these wonderful programs and good recipes and your feed changes Mm -hmm. because you're now seeing, oh, if you want to get healthy, oh, here's some physical stuff. Oh, here's some mental health stuff. And so my social media feed started changing. Mm-hmm. And becoming super positive. And I said, okay, I got to take the next step. And I started cutting all of those people on social media out that didn't have something to do that was going to be positive impact on my life. Wow. And that included friends, family, sites I was following. So as I started changing in that process, it just kept repopulating with all of this positive energy. And I started following some amazing podcasts. And I'll tell you how I got to you, which was funny. You get new people every day when you change your feed. And so your very first Insta post that I saw was, and I think it this is all it said, but it said, stay in your head and the relationship is dead. Oh, yeah. That was the first post I saw on your Instagram uh-huh. <laughs> feed. And I went, huh, I'm the queen of overthinking. What is this? I remember that was from a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that's how I found you. Mm. And then one of the second posts that I saw, and I won't remember this one verbatim because it was a long one, but it was the first sentence that caught me. And it said, don't love someone because of who you think they can become. Love them as they are now. Mm. And that was the slap in the face of me and how I am in relationships. And I realized I was always looking 
for the potential in people <laughs> and not allowing them to be uh, so beautiful as they were now. Mm. And it wasn't just an intimate. It was with friends. It was with my kids. It was just a realization. And so that wow. weekend I came home and I remember I got on my couch and I did the Jillian Trecky deep dive and sat down with your Instagram feed. And I just started reading, listening, crying, thinking, of course, overthinking on my part. Just I sat there for three hours and way too many cups of coffee going over. And I was just like, I need to know who this woman is. I need to listen. I need to learn. And from that, I started following you, and I could name the top five episodes, but every single episode has something. And once you started your podcast, of course, this is after the podcast, I just, every single way you wove each podcast was different, yet it was the same message of certain ways that you need to find yourself. So it was just really wow. exciting. Wow. It was exciting. And when did this journey begin for you of deciding that you were going to cut out anything negative from your life and only feed your feed and your life with positive stuff and things that was helpful? How long ago was that? It's been three years now. Wow. It's been three years. And the weight yeah. stayed off. My life did change getting back to who I was, so Amazing. to speak. Congratulations, by the way. Well, that's to huge. you. <laughs> no, no, to you. That's that's huge. I mean, most people don't change until they reach their threshold. But even when they do reach their threshold, it's not like the majority of people draw the line in the sand and you did that and you just took like a lot of action. And I'm assuming, did you do this with the help of a therapist or just all on your own? No, I have a I have an amazing therapist. Okay. I am all for therapy. And she helped me. What you got, the Reader's Digest condensed version is times 50. But right, I right. got better because of her. She is absolutely amazing. And I've never been afraid of therapy. Yeah. Nor should anybody be because it's so personal. Yes, it's so personal and can be very good. So you did that. And so... That's amazing. So tell us about where you are today. Are you dating? Are you <laughs> just enjoying life? What's changed for the better in your life? Because you said that you went back to, you know, the real you, but it's also a new you because when we go through a divorce and we go through a rock bottom, let's just say when we go through a rock bottom, which it sounds like you definitely did, and then we pull ourselves out of it and we change, like what comes out on the other side of that, we're forever changed. So what's different about your life now? What's different? Um, it's funny. You asked a few things. What's different? Am I dating? And I all this. Yes, I thought right. I was ready to start all that shortly after, you know, you start working on yourself. You're like, oh, I'll go. I'll do that. And I got into another Jillianism. I call it. I have a list of Jillianisms. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wow. And, and your episode on situationship, uh -huh. I realized I was the bad person in that episode because, but I went in, you know, thinking I'm honest. I told him exactly up front, you know, oh, I'm you're not the heartbreaker. Into a And so, but 
guess what? Your episode last week with Mark, when he was talking about it, I was like, oh, I was driving in my car and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was me too. Why did I stay? My integrity. I am a person of integrity. When you guys were talking about that last week, I'm like, that is crazy. Uh-huh. But I think what that allowed me to realize is that I was not allowing myself to be vulnerable. I was not allowing myself to be fully present. I was not allowing myself to love somebody. With this person who you were dating. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't realize it until he ghosted me. He like in eight months and he walked away. And I had DM'd you about that. And we had chatted just quickly about that. Uh-huh. I'm like, what 65-year-old man does that? You know, that was my comment to myself. And what uh-huh. is this? And what is that? Did he actually ghost or did he break up with you? No, this is my breakup. It reminds me of the Sex in the City posted <laughs> breakup because he texted me. I don't think we're compatible. Have a good life. Literally, that was it. <laughs> I mean, we're la- I- I'm glad we can have a good laugh about it now, but it's like, okay. Yeah. But what you're realizing is that in that relationship, you were not opening to him in any way or you weren't vulnerable. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is exactly. And it was somebody that I've known for a long time. This is the other part of that. I've known him for 38 years. We dated back in the 80s. It was a rekindling. So you didn't have that getting to know you phase. So I think things just jumpstart in too quickly, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And I realized, boy, I am not ready for this. And I it's just one of those things that you go through, but situationship I had never heard. And oh, now I hear it in my brain all the time. All and right. I I worked on trying to be more vulnerable, trying to be more specific. One of the episodes, 10 Steps to a Better Relationship with Yourself or Partner, yes. was a really big one for me. I didn't have a partner. Like, that's the only guy I dated for a long period of time. Been out on a lot of dates. It's fun. I never thought I'd be on dating platforms. I could actually write a comedy show about it because it's just dating in your 60s is no joke. Okay. I think that, Nancy, and I'm curious to hear your perspective. I would imagine that what's positive about dating in your 60s is that you know who you are and you don't need a partner to take care of you. You're not looking to have babies. You have stability on your own. And so in that way, it's got to be a lot easier for the 28-year-old to 35-year-old woman who's looking to have children and is very scared about her 28 to 40-year-old, I should say. And she's very scared about her, her biological clock. You don't have that burden. Exactly. And that does make it indeed easier in that regard. Mm -hmm. But here's something that I found out is that there are a lot of men and my age range that I've gone out with is like 55 to 72. So it's not a small range. Yes. What are you finding? Most men don't want to date women over 60. It's really weird. Even Mm -hmm. some of the 65 to 70. (laughs) And I have talked with a couple of my friends about it because I have friends in every generation. I have from 18 to 90. And I talked to some of my male friends about it and they just laugh. He says, yeah, they always want to get the younger. And I'm like, I don't feel I'll be 65 in October. I don't feel 65. Jillian on Love is sponsored by BetterHelp. There have been times in my life, few times in my life, where things 
really got extremely difficult. And I definitely would not have made it through that time if it weren't for the help and the consistency of therapy. I just think that everyone at some point in their lives could really benefit from talking to someone. And if you have any resistance to it, I really want to encourage you to just give it a try. It's really just about finding the right person for you, and it can just help you make difficult decisions. It can help you through a difficult time. It can give you insight into some of the behavior that you have. It can help with relationships. It can help with work. It's just really helpful. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. First of all, it's 100% online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and to suit your schedule, which is great. All you would have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the great news is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is huge because you have to find the right one for you. So get a break from your thoughts from BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash onlove today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash onlove. Let me wrap it up with some advice if I could. Do you work, Nancy? I do, full time. What do you do? I am a commercial property and asset manager. Okay. Are you interested in entrepreneurs? You interested in men who are big in business? What kind of men have you been going for? It's funny you ask because I was telling my girlfriends about who I was date who I was dating and what they're like, and they're like, "You're still going for the same thing," and that didn't work before. So, and what's that same thing? What's that same thing? It was a corporate guy, huh? yes, business, entrepreneurial, and that kind of person. You hit it on the head. But what's wrong with that? It's not because they're in corporate. What else about them that they all have in common? They look similar. That was the other comment. They okay. all kind of look similar. So there was a type. There was a height. There was all the things that don't matter anymore. Really. Yeah. So, okay. So the corporate thing I don't see as a problem at all. I, I really don't see that as a problem. But I think that you need to just date a different type in terms of just a different type. So yes. put yourself out there. Don't just date on the dating apps. Put yourself out there. Go to some interesting events. Meet some new people. And go find yourself a man who's divorced or widowed who is really looking to find a partner to start the next stage of his life. And do you like to travel? No, oh, that's probably number one on my list. I it's a, a deal feeling. breaker. I had a it's feeling. It's a deal breaker. So you just need to find a guy who has an adventurous spirit, who really just wants a partner in crime. And as long as you're ready to be, because you have to be vulnerable and you have to open up and you have to be available. So as long as you do that part, because no one's going to want to be with a woman who's not being vulnerable with him. But as long as you're willing to do that part, go find a guy who's looking for his partner in crime and you look for your partner in crime in a man and let that just be like your criteria. You want to have fun. You want to live life to the fullest. And go find a man who wants that too and stop telling yourself the story that no man wants a, a woman over 60. I just don't <laughs> believe that to be true. That might be true for younger men, but I don't believe that to be true for 60 to 72. 
So I think you just have to get out there and not rely on the apps. So you can be on the apps, but don't just rely on the apps. All right. I live in a koi pond of men, not a, a plethora. So it's the area I live in. I've had to expand. Yes, my you have to expand. You do. Because I tell anyone who lives in a small town, sorry, but you got to get out of the small town. That doesn't mean you have to move, but you do have to ex- get out of your zip code to some degree and do some new things. So I just want to leave you with that, Nancy. And because I can just tell that you have such an adventurous spirit and just being that like you just knowing that you went through all that and then this is where you're at, like you just need a great, fun, loving guy who wants to settle down and make this next chapter stage season, I should say, of his life the best he's ever had. But you got to go for a really family oriented, warm fun-loving kind of guy. And I would imagine that that's not the kind of guy that you typically have gone for. Am I right? Pretty much. You're correct. (laughs) Okay. So don't go for the serious guy. Go for the really warm-hearted guy who's really looking for a wife or a partner to, to make this season of life wonderful. Someone who's young at heart, but isn't young. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Gosh, it's excellent advice. And I'm listening. Good. And that's what I want. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I don't think you're afraid either. So that's why I think you'll do it. So I really want you to like, get rid of that story that you have in your head and get yourself out there. I can tell you're adventurous and outgoing. You're already proven to yourself that you can really step outside of your comfort zone. So step outside of your comfort zone and just go meet a really warm, great guy. Sounds like a perfect ending. Uh, Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Like a physically fit 70-year-old who really wants this season of his life to be fabulous and adventurous. Okay. That sounds perfect. Let's hope that uh, those guys are out there too, close by, but not so close. They're around, but just challenge yourself to just get out there and keep an open mind. Don't be so attached to your type. Okay? Okay. I can promise you that. (laughs) It's changing. Good. I appreciate you, Nancy. And I really appreciate meeting you. I appreciate all your support. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast to share your story. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. So I thank you. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be on the show with you because I feel like I ride with you every day. If you could see if I had a camera, I was going to show you. I have little notebooks. They're in my car. They're by my desk. So wherever I happen to listen to your podcast so that I can take notes because that's how I learn. That would be amazing. I would love to see that if you don't mind. (laughs) They're literally on Staples notepads. Oh, good. Just take a picture of an email. I love it. I love it. Well, it's an honor for me as well. And I thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Jillian. And you have a wonderful day. You too. This episode is sponsored by Miracle Made. One of the most important keys to having a good night's sleep is temperature. You can't be too hot. You can't be too cold. I know for me, I need it to be very cold. But even if it gets too cold, it's not going to work. It's how we can stay, our temperature can stay consistently cool 
throughout the night is the game changer. There's been so many times where I've woken up in the middle of the night just because it's gotten too hot. So your temperature at night literally has one of the greatest impacts on your sleep. So if you happen to wake up too hot or too cold in the middle of the night, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. First of all, they're inspired by NASA. And Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. And this is really gross, but did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? <laughs> it's not a pleasant thought. And that can lead to pimples, it can lead to a stuffy nose, and it's just like, it's gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning and eco-friendly bedding such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. So using these silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so that you can sleep through the night every night. And they're also incredibly and luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and actually feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. So stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores and pimples and stuffy nose. It's the worst. And sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo Jillian at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian and use the code Jillian to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jillian to treat yourself. Hi, Casey. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's really nice to be here. So tell me a little bit about you and why we're talking today. You, you know, you submitted something. It sounded like you went through something very hard and came through on the other side and learned a lot of lessons. So tell me a little bit about that and some of the lessons you learned. Yeah. I mean, you came at a really good time in my life. I'd just gotten out of a, a relationship. It's like most of your listeners, but it was one that I had never experienced before. Like, and I've had really good relationships in my past and I learned a lot and done a lot of work prior to this one. So I thought yeah. going into it, I was ready, fully committed for the long term. So my head was completely always thinking, this is my person, you know, no matter what. And, you know, a lot of what she said kept getting stuck in my head. So when it finally broke, which was a lot of on and off, just like a lot of things you talk about in your, your episodes, I really needed to like, to do the work again. It was like time to get like regrounded. You know, I just spent a good three and a half years of my life. I'm 51 now. In fact, when I turned 50, I called it no BS 50. So I really had to put a, <laughs> my foot down to a lot of things that were going on. Uh -huh. But I, of course, tried to do a bit of it on my own and just retreated and just did a lot of introspection. But I did need a therapist. And you came along as well. And I started like really relating to your content. And this was before Jillian on Love. This was like, I think I found you on Instagram just your regular page. And it was like, you were just yeah. speaking to me. So 
really, you know, I have to thank you as well. So regardless, wherever this goes, you know, this is like really nice to be able to thank you as, as I did my therapist, because it was like a process, you know, I knew I needed to really put in solid work, but you equipped me with a lot of tools and stuff you just need to hear, you know, and if I'm going to jump right to one of your first episodes, you said, got to take accountability, which is really hard to do after you've been hurt. Very hard. Yeah. And I wanted to blame, and I do, I have, I had to really go, okay, where's my part in this thing? I know what I did wrong, but it just really needed to kind of find like where I can take accountability after everything. You know, I mean, I gave this person everything I possibly could. It just wasn't good enough. And it was always like a twist and a change and a lot of hypocrisy. And I just could not keep up with this person. So when I got out, I felt, well, first I was just emotionally drained, but I feel like I was part of an emotional Ponzi scheme, you know, at the end of the mm -hmm. day, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I could not figure out. And I just gave so much that I even told her, I was like, you have everything I have. Like I'm, uh, there's nothing left of me and she kind of took it and spent it, never gave any back. So I needed to reflect. I needed to chill. I needed to retreat and go away and, uh, and just be vulnerable with myself. And, and just like you said, have a relationship with yourself. That's exactly what I needed to do. I call it the art of being alone, which is freaking scary. <laughs> You've mm -hmm. been with someone for three and a half years, and that's all you do is think about them and like what you're going to do and where we're going. And, you know, she was like really planning. So I wanted all that. So that's kind of like where I met you in that process. It's like you were like right there with me along with my therapist. Wow. So what did yeah. you learn? About that relationship within the context of accountability and reflecting on your own behavior or your own patterns, I should say. Mm. That somebody can get really under my skin and that mm. people pleasing and trying to, you know, it just, I was there so much for this person, but it just wasn't enough. And it just kept building and building to the point where I tried being nice until the point where I tried being mean. It didn't matter if I was nice or mean, it was the same result. And I was really mm -hmm. openly telling her that. She'd be like, why are you saying this? And the anger on my level got to a point that I didn't even know who I was. Yeah, the resentment. Yeah, it was really bad. Mm -hmm. And I would just say bad things to her just to get her attention, really. And she'd say, why were you so mean? I'd say, because you don't listen to anything I say. At least you hear that. Mm -hmm. You know, forget about the real issues. You just hear the surface. I don't mean any of these things. So what did you learn about your communication and what you needed to learn in terms of communication and whatnot so that you don't get yourself into yeah. a relationship again with this kind of dynamic? That I got to keep cool and stay on point and not let someone derail me, you know, but mm -hmm. tone and how I'm speaking. And when I get a little more like I need to express myself, I'm going to be more clear you know, and I may enunciate a little more, but it's not that I'm trying to be mean. It's just that if you keep like, if it just keeps being derailed or misunderstood, I'd say most of our fights ended up being misunderstandings, mm -hmm. just like about tone. It was like what we were fighting about didn't even become that. It was all about how we talk to somebody. So it is about yeah. communication. But this person is so good at um, derailing and changing it up. And I just would get lost in it. And it was like very frustrating. So, you know, we tried passing the mic kind of thing over the phone. We had a long distance relationship. So, you know, she would say, oh, let's just do like two minutes on, two minutes off. Here's where I went wrong. I'd give her five, 10. I would allow mm -hmm. her to go long because I like to listen and I'm open. I would mute the mic. <laughs> so, I want to bring you back to the accountability piece because you yeah, said yeah. that's really hard. 
because you did a lot of blaming and you felt, it sounds to me like you felt very victimized by her. So what have you taken accountability for? What was it that you learned? My anger. Your anger. Yeah, anger to never let that happen, to, you know, reduce Mm -hmm. who I truly am to that kind of level. I don't... Right. That was more about me. It wasn't really about what I said to her is that I allowed myself to go there because it was dangerous. I mean, it was physically dangerous on a level of like just so many times where I just was like, my heart was pumping and... Oh, you mean the anger raised your Mm. blood pressure to the point where it felt physically dangerous to you. And she was relentless. So it just wouldn't stop. It was a calling. Mm -hmm. And and I kept giving in. I should have, my accountability was I should have walked away Mm -hmm. a long time ago and just stayed to my morals and how I live life and never let Mm -hmm. somebody get to me like that ever again. We're just not Mm -hmm. the right type of people together. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. I'm safe from that because that's what I needed. I needed to get away. There were so many things that happened at the end, but I had to learn that I had to stop giving her so much credit for this person that she truly wasn't. And I had to realize that I was dating somebody who wasn't who they said they were. You know, I mean, then right afterwards, she just found a new supply. And I kept saying to myself, wow, how did she do that? <laughs> like, how did she just leave this, all this craziness of just she wanted it so bad for something else so quickly? And I was like, are you really surprised at what she did? Or are you surprised at yourself? for thinking she would do something any different because she's always been like this. That's when Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's me. It's not her anymore. It's me. I'm like, why am I worried about this person? So I needed to kind of, you know, reframe a lot of it and not just go, okay, whatever she did, that sucks and it hurts, but whatever, it's fine. Like I need to get back to where I was, but a better version of myself Mm. going forward. So in that journey of building your relationship with yourself, what did you discover needed to be strengthened the most as far as your relationship to self is concerned? Communication, but also just being very more comfortable with myself and not okay. worrying about it, slowing down. You know, you had mentioned, you know, look at your past relationship, but look even further down the line, you know, start to see because you're the only consistent part in this thing. Yes. So all those relationships are very different. I mean, I'm still really good friends with my ex-wife. We're like really good friends. We co-parent well. All my ex-girlfriends were cool with each other. I've learned a lot. Yeah, this is the only one. I say I have one bad Yelp review. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, one bad thing is not going to like kill me, but I have to learn from that because yes. that sometimes sticks in you too, even if it wasn't a good one. So I just, I really needed to just slow down. So my new approach is just really getting to know people. Mm. I don't want to jump into anything. All the relationships I had, which was consistent, they they just went really quickly. This one moved at a really high speed, but it felt so right. It really did. Like it just seemed like everything lined up perfect. Well, it sounds like you were like, you were completely blinded by lust. Mm, Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's what I'm getting from this. That there was just an attraction, a physical attraction there that maybe was unparalleled for you. It was. And she said all the right things. No one's ever... Compliments are really great when someone's mm-hmm. telling you how handsome you are and yes. how amazing you are and all the things you do. You know, mm-hmm. So I became like a savior for her. And I've done that in the past. So I've always like liked to help and heal people or be someone. Oh, so rock, that's an you know? interesting pattern that you realized. Mm. Have you been changing that? Yeah, boundaries. boundaries. And, I'm pr- and I do that with work too. Because mm-hmm. in work, I'm like willing to help everybody too. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And like for nothing. And then you're like, why am I doing this for nothing? Mm-hmm. So I have to put boundaries in place there and just stand my ground, but be open. So like in the process of after being single for a while, I'd meet people and just be very clear, but not 
you know, mean, just here I am, you know, mm -hmm. I have nothing to hide. And, you know, you had mentioned to kind of rewrite your story, you know, don't say the same story over and over and just like yes. use her as some way, because it's going to chase people away or just gets annoying even to myself. So I just kind of stay away from it. But if you want to know anything, feel free to ask. Got it. I just don't, I don't need to be judged for it because I have nothing to hide with that relationship at all. And it's helped other people. Oh, great. So you're dating. I'm not dating anyone right now, but you know, I know someone I really like, and I've decided to take a whole new approach to meeting this person, just really going slow, getting to know her, and then let's just see what happens. You know, it's a win-win situation. I think that's great. I think yeah. that's fantastic. And then just in the past, most of the women that you've gone for, they've needed you to rescue them in some way, or they had a, or you thought that they needed you. Yeah. And even a lot of friendships, I feel that too. It's like, there's a lot of complaining and a lot of things that women are going through. And I have a lot of women friends. So, and mm -hmm. even in my industry, so I've always been friends with women. So it's been easier for me there. Yeah. That's a great role to play in your friendships, but you need to find a woman who doesn't have a big problem that she needs you to fix. And exactly. that's going to be very confronting for you because then you're going to think, how can I be significant? Because your ego is not going to get that fix from the woman who's looking up to you to rescue her. So it's going to be very confronting for you. But my advice is that you find a woman who is very strong and self-sufficient to the point where she doesn't need to be rescued. Yeah. I don't want to save and anyone. You don't want to save. Exactly. No. No. But the boundary is also going to have to be for you because that's something that you have been drawn to in the past. It feels good to help someone. It to, does. Oh, for sure. You can help for sure, but saving them is a whole different ballgame. You know, it helps even with friends that are interested in me. Like I have good friendships of women. I, you know, some of them people are growing on me and they tell me a lot of what's going on. I don't use it as like, well, you know, I don't like them, but it's easier as friends. And I told this to two people that you have a very heavy life going on. And I don't think it's good for me because if we got involved, I'll take everything you have on and then I won't have me anymore because I abandoned myself in my last relationship. That was the hard part was like figuring out where was I? Yeah. And I always say I had to like lose my mind to get back to my senses because I didn't know where I was. And yes. I've told this to a couple people where, and they understood and they liked how honest I was where... I just don't want to take that on. It's easier as a friend because I can hang up the phone and I can go sure. about my business. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yes. But in a relationship like my ex, I had to take all of it on where she would say, oh, my friends love me. And I'm like, that's great. But, you know, you'd make choices that have consequences and I'm the only one that has to deal with it. And I can't get out of here. They get to mm -hmm. say goodbye. <laughs> and they love mm -hmm. you so much. And I do, but I, I'm stuck here. So right. I need someone to balance that out. I'll right. be there for you, but you have to be cognizant. If you're not cognizant, we won't have balance. Right. For you, you just need someone who doesn't need a rescuer. And you, again, a lot of the boundaries that you need, you need around yourself. It's not just around yeah. them. You know, it's True. just like, oh, 
How can I be of support to this person without feeling like I need to take it on all myself? We're all trying to be enough in our relationships. All these patterns that we quote unquote are trying to break, they're all patterns that we have in an effort and in the pursuit of trying to be enough. And yours is, if I can fix all your problems and take them all on, then I am enough because I am fulfilling the role that I think that I need to fulfill in life. And that started in childhood. And once you can really say, I'm enough on my own, I can be of support, but I have value in a person's life and I don't have to take on everything. That's the work. And so I agree with you. I think going slow is really important. I think that letting go of your story with your ex where you feel like victimized, I think you need to let go of that a little bit more. And I think that just seeing that finding true connection with a woman for you is not about showing her that you can fix all her problems. There's more to you than just that. Yeah, I'm, I'm a very dynamic guy. So yeah, I bring I'm sure it all, you are. You know? What's a message that you would like to tell to listeners today if there's some guy or even some woman who's listening and has been in that situation where they tend to lose themselves in relationships because they're so busy trying to be enough that they're mm -hmm. trying to, you know, really take on baggage that's not theirs to carry? What would be your, your message to them? You got to slow down and sort of really take a good view of what's happening. And, and sometimes you need to step back from that. Again, you can't save everybody. You can help them or you can be there, but you just got to really go with your instinct. Like you, if this person's just going to keep adding on more problems and they're not going to return some of it, like I believe, listen, like everyone's got some stuff going on. They can complain, give it five minutes. If they don't turn around and say, thank you so much for listening, what, what's, what was your day like? You just become kind of the person who's just like riding along in the giving relationship. Giving and giving yeah. and giving and giving and giving. Yes. Yeah, feel, know where your spot is. I, I wasn't in my relationship. I was just a passenger in that relationship. Mm -hmm. It was her spot, not me. You don't even know who I am because all we do is deal with you, but that's my fault because... I'm not, I tried to stand up. It's a hard person to stand up to. But it's not that it's you your fault. Back it's, just, it's just the dynamic. It's not about fault yeah. or blame. It's just the two of you found each other and you were both conveniently able to play out something that needed to be healed. And you need to be with someone who's a giver too. Exactly. And exciting. It's yes, hard to get up. Exactly. I don't have um, really a checklist or any bucket list of type things that I need to do with people. It's just... I just want to feel. And that was one thing I did when I, you know, when I was single. It's like, I just want to allow myself to feel. I don't want to rush into things. I don't want to be called baby and all these other things. Like, let's just like be cool with each other. Because if it's really truly there, it could go the distance. I'm not looking to just date someone for the interim period. Like, I want to like have someone in my life. But define, so define what going slow means to you. So that listeners can also understand because be cool is not, yeah. is, is misleading. So what is going slow for you now look like versus what you did before? A lot of times you have to talk yourself down when you're text somebody and they don't respond back. So it's not them. They're busy. And I know where I was when someone's texted me and I'm like, I was busy. You know what I mean? Like, yes, but you have to be communicate these things. So you can't just expect everything and, and sort of feed into technology is your way of being in a relationship. Like 
take a breath and stop narrating these things in your head. I've narrated so much in my head and I just, I always talk myself out of it. And then I'm like, I'm never, it's not that. I know it's not that. And if it is it, I'll find out. But I'm not going to allow myself to get myself all crazy over something that's not. And then when you find out it's not, you still feel like it was it. <laughs> you know, it's right. like you have that pride, you know, it's like you just don't want to say sorry for that. So managing the anxiety, it sounds like, taking a step back. Yeah, don't feed into theirs either. Don't feed into you know? theirs. Yeah, yeah, if they're like anxious, try to like, like be cool would be like, take a breath, like let's relax and like, don't just feel like you need to react so fast. Mm. Process. You know, if you can process for a little bit, you may have a better answer than just like jumping down someone's throat with something that they didn't do and, mm -hmm. and, and not accuse them of something yet because like it just causes more problems. You know, and I like to drink and have alcohol and stuff and have that as part of it. But with relationships, you got to be very careful with substance. And it just opens up a lot of room for misunderstandings. Topics 100%. you really don't need to be talking about. I mean, we found ourselves talking about the end of our relationship when it was good. Like what it would be like if we didn't have it. I'm like, I I'm not bringing this a up. Ridiculous, Why are we talking about that? I'm so glad you brought that up. It's a ridiculous thing to, to focus on and talk about. And you're right. Being under the influence does make people much more willing to, I don't know, bring up these things. Yeah. It's like, it's a joke at first. Like, oh, she would say, oh, yeah. you'd be crying if I wasn't around. It's like, I'm crying now. I'll be crying when you're gone. It's like, it's, why are we yes. talking about this? Like, this is not making the relationship go forward. It's just holding it in this weird pattern. Also, I'd say is be present. Stop worrying about what, you know, you happened in your life. You got to work on that. If you have things going on in your life, you got to work on that. You cannot make somebody else be responsible for what happened in your past. Be present and you can plan a future, but don't be so worried about what you don't have and what everyone else has and what it needs to be. Now I'm 51, so I don't need to worry about children or getting married. And I totally understand that. But you have to have really good comprehensive conversations with anyone you're dating. You know, if I meet someone younger and they want kids, it's out. I'm not having any more children. Marriage is possible, but it's not important. It's not something I'm like, oh, I need to be getting married. I'd, I'd be happy to be married one day, but I want a relationship. Marriage isn't going to define how much I care about you. Yes. And I would also say that ask yourself what love means to you. Like, where do you put this person in all the things that you love in life? How important are they? Do you love them as much as you love your brand new car, you know, or that, that watch or whatever it is? Like, because if you truly love someone, you'll put them in the right place. And I'm not saying abandon yourself and all the things you like to do, but love is really doesn't have a measurement. You got to figure it out. Those are very, very wise words, Casey, and they're going to help a lot of people. And I could not agree with you more. And uh, I thank you for sharing your story and your process. And um, I just really appreciate your support and I appreciate meeting you. So thank you. You too. Nah, you've been a real big part of my life. So, I mean, the tools that I'm you've honored. given me, these little things that you've said, like I've gone hiking and you're in my head and it's like it helps <laughs> It does. It talks me down and it gets me to a I'm place. Honored. I'm yeah, honored. I'm so honored, truly. I'm paying it back to you because you've already paid it forward. So you should know these things because you're really helpful. Thank you, Casey. I'm honored. So I appreciate that. Nice to meet you and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. 
That's it for this week's episode of Jillian on Love, which is the special one-year anniversary of the podcast where I got to interview three listeners who were brave enough to share their story. Again, I'm so grateful for all of you. If there is anything in this episode that you just know that someone you know could really benefit from, even if it's just one kernel of wisdom, please do not hesitate to click the share button because... You just never know whose life you could be impacting or whose day you could be making. Thanks for listening and until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade! And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts.